Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. It's so good to be with you again today. And today we're going to talk about, do you want to really live? And 1 Peter chapter 3 is actually a quotation from the book of Psalms, but let's read it here first and then we'll go to Psalms. For he who would love life, this is verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. For he that would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Amen. And then it goes on to say in verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. Now, folks, do you want to love life? Do you want to see good days? Then he begins to give you a list of the things that you must do. This is an important list. It's not one that we should just pass on by. There's a reason why Peter's bringing it out. And, uh, and I want you to notice that at the end of this, he says that the ears of the Lord are open to the prayers of the righteous. Uh, his eyes are open, uh, are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But those who do evil, it says the Lord is against them, well, we don't want to be in that category. And the way you get in that category is by not doing what he says here in this portion of Scripture. So we're, we're going to talk about this. But in order to see it, I want to go to um, uh, Psalms chapter 34. Go in your Bible, Psalms 34. And let's take a look at this. Now, Peter quotes from Psalms 34, verses 12 through 16. Uh but I'm going to start with verse 11 because the, the psalmist actually tells you what he's teaching about. And I don't know about you, but I like that. I like to find out what, what, what are you talking about, David? <laughs> well, he tells you here in verse 11 why he gets into this, do you want to really live? Now, that's the way the NET translates it. Now, you'll notice it's just a, a slightly different than uh, Peter's quotation because Peter... Well, it's come down to us in Greek, and here we have a translation directly from the Hebrew. Uh, so that's why there's, there's some difference in the way it sounds, but it's the same scripture. In uh, verse 11 now, this is uh, Psalms 34, verse 11. Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you what it means to fear the Lord. Now, this is what it means to fear the Lord. And there's a lot of scripture that talk about the fear of the Lord in the Bible. I mean a lot of them. And you should study this subject. I deal with it quite extensively. I dedicate a whole chapter to it in my new book called A Call to Return, Restoring the Roots of Our Relationship with Jesus. And you can go to our website and get more information on how to get your copy and be blessed by it. It's 266 pages that'll turn your Christian life on. <laughs> Praise God. And it'll make you piping hot in the things of God instead of being lukewarm. <laughs> we don't want to be lukewarm. The Bible says, Jesus said that I'll spit, I'll vomit the lukewarm out of my mouth in the book of Revelation chapter 3. Now, we don't want to be in that category. We want to be piping hot in the things of God. Amen. All right. I will teach you what it means to fear the Lord. This is powerful stuff. 
and uh, and we should be paying attention to it. So let me give you, a, let, let, just from the book of Proverbs, I'm not going to quote from any other book of the Bible, because there's a lot of scriptures, but I, I'm just going to kind of give you an overview. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of knowledge. Now that's chapter 1, verse 7. Now all of these are from the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1, verse 7, it's the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 8, 13. Chapter 9, verse 10 says it's the beginning of wisdom. Uh, chapter 10, verse 27 says it prolongs life. Chapter 14, verse 26 says that the fear of the Lord in it is strong confidence or security. That's 14.26. 14.27 says that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. <laughs> Glory. It's, it's a fountain that never runs dry. Glory to God. Amen. Then it goes on to say, By it you keep away from evil, by the fear of the Lord. 16.6. 19.23 says the fear of the Lord leads to life. So not only, not only is it a fountain of life, but it'll lead you to that fountain of life. Amen. Proverbs 22.4 says that the reward of humility and fearing the Lord is riches, honor, and life. I don't know about you, but I want to be rich in God. Amen. I want to have His honor and His life and His glory and His presence and manifestation and humility and fearing the Lord are closely tied together because to fear the Lord in Scripture. Now listen to me. The primary meaning of fear in this context is to reverence, honor, and respect the Lord. And the question that David is answering in these following verses is how to fear the Lord. How do we show reverence, honor, and respect for Him? Now does that interest you? It certainly does interest me. Uh, how do we show reverence and honor and respect for God? Notice that and notice what it says. This is important, folks. David broke it down for us, and here we go. Let's read it again. I will teach you what it means to fear the Lord. Do you want to really live? And that's the title of our message. Well, do you? I do. I want to really live. I don't. He's talking about a quality of life. Would you Love to live a long, happy life? And the answer, of course, is yes! <laughs> a kicking, screaming, yelling, yes! Glory to God. Then what's he say? Then make sure. This is not a suggestion. You make sure. This is what you want? You want to know what it means to fear the Lord? Then make sure you don't speak evil words or use deceptive speech. Now, that's the first thing he says. Don't speak evil words. Or use deceitful speech. Now these on the surface may seem similar. But each expresses a different area of speech. Since the psalmist is referring to honoring God and respecting God and reverencing God. Then the reference to evil speech is first not to say evil things about God. Don't accuse God of injustice or wrongdoing. Listen, folks, it's never God's fault if we're floundering, floundering around in a meaningless life. No, it's not His fault. It's also not God's fault if we live an unrighteous lifestyle and get turned over to our enemies for destruction. Yeah, God will allow it, but 
but that's not, it's not his fault, it was your fault. Now, this is hard. People don't want to accept responsibility or, or accountability often. They want to blame God for things. And people want to point to heaven and argue with heaven and, and rage against heaven and blame God for their troubles and affliction and other tragedies of life. You're never going to win doing that. You're never going to win with God. You're never going to receive his promises like that. You're never going to walk in his presence like that. As, as long as you accuse God of injustice or wrongdoing, you never will. And you see, when Job started his ordeal, he seemed to have been saying the right things about God, but later on he changed. And as you go through the book of Job, you hear him change. And uh, it gets to a place where Job wanted to excuse himself by thinking and saying that he was righteous in everything and that somehow God was unrighteous in his dealings with him. And it's interesting that Job's three friends, God rebukes them later on because they weren't talking what was right. But then here comes along a young preacher, a young man to preach to him the truth, and he does it for a few chapters in the book of Job, uh, Elihu, or Elihu, however you want to pronounce it. And he calls Job to account for speaking evil against God. Now you'll see that, and I, and I suggest you read it, because you begin to find out what Job's major issues were. Okay, Job chapter 32 through chapter 37. And the young preacher begins to rebuke Job for his pride. See, he got away from humility. He begins to rebuke Job for evil speaking and for thinking wrong about God and thinking that he understood as much or even more than God. Boy, that's the height of arrogance. And also he rebuked Job because Job thought that he was more righteous than God. Now, folks, <laughs> the arrogance and the haughtiness of thinking like that is off the charts. But that's where Job was. He got to the place where he blamed God so much that he was accusing God of injustice and wrongdoing in the way in the things that happened to him. And he wasn't. God wasn't dealing unrighteously with him. And he wasn't dealing um, uh, wrongly with him. Uh, he wasn't being evil or unrighteous or, or, or doing something unjust concerning him or doing wrongdoing. No, he wasn't. God was right. He was honest. And he was righteous. And he never changed. He was full of integrity. And the way that he operated and he acted was right. And you say, well, I don't understand that. Well, uh, that doesn't change it. <laughs> that doesn't change the truth. Now, that's the first part of don't speak evil words or use deceitful speech. The second part of understanding these instructions for life have to do with don't speak evil of a brother or sister in the Lord and refuse to accuse them in falsehood. Now, don't do that. You do that and you're going to get into trouble, big trouble. I mean, huge trouble. If you begin to accuse people falsely and you begin to be like the accuser and be judgmental, you know, then, then that's not right. Judge not so you, so, so you would not be judged. It has to do with a spirit of being judgmental towards other people and being evil towards people and accusing them in falsehood. If they've done wrong or they've sinned against you, that's a different story. And it's actually a different teaching. But I will mention Matthew chapter 18. You can go look it up. 
And you'll see that Jesus has instructions specifically when a brother or sister sin against you personally. First of all, you go to that person, you rebuke them in private, you tell them you sinned against me, tell them what it is, and then if they repent and change, then you've won over your brother, the Bible says. Jesus said, if they don't listen to you, then you take two or three people, you tell them, and then if they don't listen to them, then you tell it to the church, which means the leadership of the church, and then if they don't listen to the church, then finally they're supposed to be treated as though they don't even know the Lord. Okay, which doesn't mean that, that you treat them badly because even people that don't know the Lord, you, if you're going to win them, you're not going to beat them over the head with a baseball bat. No, you're going to uh, 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 talk the word and speak things as though they don't know the Lord because they're operating in a way that they don't know God. Now, this is what this is talking about. So that's not speaking evil words. That's not using deceitful speech. And then there's the other part. When you catch somebody in a sin... Like, for example, you're walking down the road, and all of a sudden you see this brother in the church, maybe, <laughs> you know, somebody that you know that comes to church every Sunday, and they say they serve the Lord, and they're supposed to be serving God, and you see them over there, and their car's parked in front of a bar. The assumption would be, okay, they're getting drunk, and, and uh, but you don't know. They could be in there uh, trying to find somebody that owes them some money, or find one of their kids, or... Maybe something else. You don't know what's going on. You can't be judgmental. You, everything doesn't always uh, show for what it, it it is. People right away want to assume something that's not real. It's not true. It's not what's actually happening. Now, that's one sign. But now, all of a sudden, you see that person that <laughs> goes to your church and he comes staggering out of the bar with a big cigar hanging out of their mouth and hugging this guy hugging a, another woman that's not his wife. Now that's a whole different story. Well, that might not be the best time to approach them. It may be you have to wait. And this is what the book of Galatians talks about in Galatians chapter 6. Now I'm going to look it up. I wasn't planning. I don't even have this on my notes. Uh, the Lord's bringing it up, so I'm going to bring it up. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you see a brother coming out of a bar and he's staggering around drunk with a big cigar hanging out his mouth and hugging some woman that's not his wife and they're both going to their car, you know, to the car. Well, <laughs> like I said, that might not be the best time to talk to them because you're probably going to get cussed out. <laughs> but wait. Let the Lord lead you. said, if a man be overtaken in any trespass, and that's talking about sin, and obviously this man is over in the sin, okay, that I just uh, explained to you, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Now, notice what it says. It didn't say go blab it out to everybody and go tell everybody that this guy's a sinner and, 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 and mess him up. No, 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 no. You saw it, you go to them. If you're spiritual, your job is to restore. You do your best to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Don't go and try to be holier than thou. You just go and tell them, listen, brother, this is what I saw. And, uh, and I saw you coming out of that bar. You had a big cigar. You were staggering around. You were hugging a woman that wasn't your wife. And it's sin. And, and you do it with gentleness. But that doesn't mean that you don't 
correct the situation. You don't tell them what it is. That means that you're not haughty. You do it in humility. You try to help this person. You're trying to restore them. Why? Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Well, you don't want to be tempted. You know you've been tempted before, and you don't want to be in that same boat. So what do you do? You go to this person. You try to restore them. And then if they don't want to hear you, then you have to take another route and, and, and present it to the elders of the church or something like that and, and let them know. But you still never gossip about it. You still never run this person down about it. Okay? You go the route that the Scripture talks about. Amen. Well, we're going to come back and discuss this some more in our next teaching. Amen.